Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Thanks for joining us tonight. If you're new to Nighttime, there's a half hour where we get to talk calmly about things. Hopefully God will speak to your heart about things that are right and wrong and have you think about your life in a calm way. Dave Wager, myself, will never be your judge. I will never be one to be able to tell you what absolute right and wrong is unless I read it in God's Word. And I encourage you to read God's Word, know what it says, know what it means, and apply it to your life. Not just to read it, but to use what you read and to know what God is talking about. I was reading an article recently on the mixed views of the modern American family. Often at the Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a one-year college held on the campus here at Silver Birch Ranch, I talked to the students about how Satan tries to get us to redefine terms and to make things that are very important and very easy to understand, difficult to understand. And I think family is one of those terms. Family's well defined in scripture. I had a mom and dad and a brother. My brother got married, has children. They're all part of my family. My immediate family would be my mom, my dad, and my brother. Now, maybe his wife isn't that. I'm not sure. Then I got married, and my immediate family is my wife and myself, and we have two daughters. My one daughter is married, so they're their family is a part of our immediate family, or whatever you want to call them. Regardless, there is an important distinction between whose family and who isn't, and the roles that we play in the stabilization of society in a family. Not everybody's going to agree on everything that we talk about, but families have a way of having a certain classification where they go through the good, the bad, and the ugly together, and they know who they can count on. Moms and dads need to be those who are totally concerned with the children in their family. They're the ones who live in a way that demonstrate God's characteristics to those in the family. They're the ones who demonstrate how to walk with God, how to have faith. Children will look at them as they're growing up and learn these things. Not because of lectures, but because of lifestyle. Anyway, there's an article by Kim Parker and Rachel Minkin on September 14, 2023, that is entitled, Public Has Mixed Views on the Modern American Family. The subtitle says, More are pessimistic than optimistic about the future of the family. Relatively few see marriage and parenthood as a central to a fulfilling life. That statement alone that summarizes what they find in this study is most troublesome to me. Because God created man, and man was without a suitable partner until he created woman. And this special alignment between man and woman is what makes a family a family. Now, you can define it any way you want, and there's people listening that maybe there isn't a husband or maybe there isn't a wife in the family, and it's still a family. And indeed, that's true. 
However, the ideal family was meant to be one man and one woman who were committed to each other for life. And in that commitment, there could be children who come into that family and they have a stable place to come. And mom and dad are responsible for the caring and the rearing of those children. And the only reason the family would disintegrate is because we're self-centered people who don't care about those who come into our family as we should. Anyway, this article goes on to say, Trends in marriage and fertility, along with shifting social norms and important legal changes, have reshaped the American family. Many Americans are pessimistic about the future of the family. There's a certain percentage that say, thinking about their future or the country, in general, they feel that the institution of marriage and family is either falling apart or unimportant. 26% of those who were interviewed are optimistic about marriage. That's really about a quarter of the people. 26% think that marriage is something that can work and, and be positive in our culture and, and will work. When I look at my relationship with my wife, I think that's the most important relationship I have. It's the most stabilizing for our family. It's the most stabilizing for our culture. It's well known, as we know in educational circles, that a home that is stable with a mom and dad who are committed to each other tend to raise more stable children than those without. I know people are saying, I can raise somebody without a husband or wife. And, you know, if that's your situation, then God could certainly provide for you what you need. But the bottom line really is God created it to be the most stable situation. If there's a husband and a wife who are committed to each other and committed to God in every family. Now, that's not such a radical view on life. The idea of knowing God and applying the scriptural principles to our life and our marriage is something that all of us should be committed to. There's 29% that were interviewed that are neither optimistic nor pessimistic. So 29% of the people pretty much shrugged their shoulders in the interview that basically said, I don't know, from the Pew Research Center, by the way. And 40% are pessimistic. So a majority of the people are either shrugging their shoulders on what the family is, or they're pessimistic about the family. Is that because we watch too much social media? We watch too many celebrity couples who break up with each other, and we think it's not possible to live in a way that's committed to each other? As I've talked to the students through the years, one of the things I encourage them to do is never to go into marriage making an arrangement rather than a commitment. I think that alone makes a huge difference in how we live. If you make an arrangement, then the other person can break the deal that you made with them, and you can feel like you can walk out of that marriage at any time because the deal has been broken. Marriage is not about an arrangement. It's about a commitment. Two people that are committed to each other for life, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the treatment, they're committed to the best of each other. That alone is a great visual for children to come in the future. I know there's a lot that goes into marriage, but 
again in my own marriage the hardest time i ever have within the relationship in the context of marriage is happens when i'm self-centered and i'm all about me and not about my wife and not about my children like i should be when i become self-centered the marriage gets rocky because i'm all about me and marriage isn't about me it's about us it's about two people becoming one the article goes on to say public views of the family are complicated. Americans are more pessimistic than optimistic about the institution of marriage and family. And there's no consensus on how some of the broad trends that are driving families change will impact the country in the future. Majorities say fewer people marrying these days and more couples living together without being married won't have a positive or negative impact. I disagree. I think that doesn't matter what the majority says. When you're living with somebody and you don't have a commitment to each other, no matter what happens in life, then you live an unstable life. God is committed to us, and the only way that I can live a life of great purpose is being committed to Him. The word is commitment, not arrangement. If you and I come to God and we try and make an arrangement with God, I promise you, you'll be disappointed because then God will be doing things that is beyond your comprehension and that will cause issues in your life. It's really not about arrangements. Every single arrangement that has ever been made will be something that can be broken. And if that's your mind frame you're looking for, it to be broken so that you are not blamed for the relationship falling apart. God made a commitment to us that while we were still sinners, he sent Jesus to us. Jesus was fully committed to dying on the cross so that I could be in God's family. God's already demonstrated his commitment to us. I need to demonstrate my commitment to him. The public views on the family are complicated. There's a baseline support for a variety of family arrangements in these surveys, but the public still favors some type of families over others. Families that include a married husband and wife raising children are seen as the most acceptable. At the same time, relatively few Americans say marriage and parenthood are central to living a fulfilling life. Let me say that again, because the survey says, that relatively few Americans say marriage and parenthood are central to living a fulfilling life. Now, you can live a fulfilling life after things have happened in your life that are less than desirable, I understand that. But God did not create the family to disintegrate. He created the family to be a stable force for those that are part of it and in a nation. The family is the stable building block, the foundation for a nation. And without it, we become a weak people because we have nowhere to go to see how things are supposed to be done. We become a self-centered people thinking that our relationships are all about us and if we don't get what we want out of them, we have to move on till we find another one that gives us what we want. When I make a commitment to somebody, there's nothing in the world that can change that, and it brings stability. If there's wealth, it's not going to change the commitment. If there's sickness, it's not going to change the commitment. If there's death, 
I no longer have that person here to be committed to. And I am free in life to either make another commitment or stay the way that I am at that particular point. Because the stability will have already been demonstrated to a family. And the stability in a family will be caught by those in the family. Let's say something happened to my wife, and as I get older, I needed help. The family will see that stability and take care of me. Likewise, the stability that's been demonstrated by the husband and wife will be in the marriages of the children, if stability has been demonstrated. Now, not all children are going to learn just from their parents. And especially in the culture that we live in now, there's an awful lot of social media, television, different kinds of media that has influenced our children. Not only has there been media that influenced them, but the government influences them. Talking about things like abortion and trying to make it legal and right to kill babies and instead of protecting those young lives, it's important that you and I get to the point where we realize The way God made things is the best way, and we need to live in the context of what he says. As we go through the scriptures, we see there are verses that talk about the family in the Bible, things that give us an understanding of what we need to be thinking about. In Exodus chapter 20, the 12th verse, we're told to honor our father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. As a child, I'm to honor my father and my mother. In our culture today, there's so much disrespect that's shown from children to parents. There are schools that are trying to hide what children say from parents because they disagree. I've heard government individuals say that parents don't have any right to teach their children apart from what the government says. In other words, we are constantly second-guessing parents' role in the family. The parents' role in the family is to lead the children by example. Children are to honor their parents. They are to honor the fact that they are their parents working to lead them to the throne. Proverbs 15.5 tells us that a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. You see, the father is in a place where he looks at the children and understands his role as the one who teaches. And as young people are doing what they should do, that gets reinforced. And when young people do things they shouldn't do, then they should be lovingly corrected. Sometimes they need to be lovingly corrected a little more sternly than other times. But the motivation should always be the love of that individual. It's the family that provides that. Sometimes I think about years ago when the extended family used to live together. There was always somebody to talk to about something. If we all lived on a farm and we were a family and every day we went out and worked and we have grandpa and grandma on both sides, maybe on the farm, and then we have all of our siblings and their families. We have uncles and aunts and cousins and we're all working together. We would all know each other rather well. And in that system, there would be somebody to talk to, somebody to watch over us. There would be this system in place that was healthy for the family, for the individual, and for the nation as a whole. See, we're losing out on that idea. 
we're losing out on the stability that comes from people being committed to each other and committed to God. We're told here in Exodus that we need to honor our mother and father. And in Proverbs 20.20, it tells us that if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. We don't disrespect our parents. We don't talk about them disrespectfully. We don't go after them. In fact, we look for ways to make them successful. If I am a successful parent, I am looking for ways to make my children successful no matter what stage in life they're in. If I am a successful child, I am looking for ways to make my parents successful in life. We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses, no doubt. And when you live with somebody, those strengths and weaknesses are probably magnified and you can probably understand them better than anybody else. That doesn't give us the right to dishonor those in our family, to make fun of, to disregard what they say. In fact, when we see weaknesses, if you love somebody, you bolster them around those weaknesses so that those weaknesses are not something that's going to hurt them down the road. As my mom got older, I saw that she was struggling with how to take care of her checkbook. The problem is that I don't understand how to take care of a checkbook like I should either, but my wife does. So I was able to take the financial matters that my mom had and ask my wife to take care of them as a way of making sure she was cared for as she got older. See, it's a matter of honoring her, not making fun of her, not thinking how inconvenient it is, but it's a privilege to be able to care for those in your life that you can do something for. We can't do something for everybody, but we can identify what we need to do to help people as they need help. And we should be doing that for family above all else. In Proverbs 23, 22 to 25, it says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. By truth, and do not sell it by wisdom instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. There is no greater pain in a family than to see a young person reject truth. There is no greater pain in a family than to see a young person reject God or to reject what we know to be true as we try and teach them the various truths of life. It's an interesting passage here that talks about, as children, putting our parents in a position where they'll be glad because of the fact that we know the truth, we abide by the truth, and we do whatever we know to be true. There's nothing that would bring more joy to my heart than to see my own children loving God and walking with Him and serving God. On the other hand, there would be nothing that would bring me more sorrow than to see one of my children decide that they were not going to listen to God anymore, regardless of the reason. Sometimes we don't think about how our actions impact other people. It's natural for a child to go through a time where they want to get their independence. 
I'm not talking about independence here. I'm talking about disrespect for their parents and disregard for what they've been taught. You will find that if your parents do love God and they walk with God, and they're not perfect, by the way, because no human is, their desire for you to know God and walk with Him will excel anything else in their life. If you're a child, and everyone is who's listening, no matter what age you are, the way that you would make your parents proud, if they are those who love God, is to walk with God. My challenge to you is to pick up the Bible and know what it says and listen to what the scriptures say and make that a a priority in your life. If you're a parent, and many of us are that listen to this, we need to be continuing to pray for our children and living in a way that gives them the example of what it looks like to walk with God. We need to be looking for ways to help them understand the purity of truth. Not being necessarily those who just argue with them over things that don't matter. Because there's a lot of things in life that really don't matter in the long run. But listening to God does. We need to understand how our decisions affect those that we, that we love. Let me read Proverbs 23, 22-25 again to you. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old by truth and do not sell it by wisdom, instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He whose father is a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. When you look at the instructions we've gotten from God and that are verified in the New Testament, we realize the commitment side of the relationships in a family. Luke 18.20 says, You know the commandments, and this is Jesus speaking. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. There's several of those that bring stability into a life. Do not commit adultery. Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount and talks about how when you look at somebody lustfully, you've committed adultery. See, what we're supposed to do in our relationships is have purity that abounds. We don't use other people. We love other people. Sometimes as we get older, we find that as our parents get older, they can't help us like they used to. Therefore, they're not quite as useful to us as they used to be. That's not a healthy thought process because we love our parents and we take care of them in our life no matter what. We don't use them. We love them. And we're looking to make them successful no matter what stage in life they're in right now. Our parents are also looking to make us successful no matter what stage in life we're in. I remember going to see my mom once when she was in a nursing home. And as I was sitting and talking to her, she started to get a little teary-eyed. And she said, you know what I'm asking God to do, Dave? And I didn't know what she was asking God to do. And I knew that she was sitting around her room and not doing a whole lot. So she had plenty of time to pray and to think and to uh, look forward to going to see her Savior. But she didn't have a lot of mobility at that time. 
And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, I'm, I'm praying for you every day. And I'm concerned that when I leave this earth, that there'll be no one to pray for you anymore like I am. And I thought, there's a mom who's trying to make her son successful. She can't do much in life, but she can pray for her son. And that's what she's doing. Not only that, she said, and then I'm asking God something that might be silly, but I'm still asking him this. And I said, what What are you asking him? I'm asking him to take the prayers that I have today and stack them up, one right on top of the other. And then when I'm gone, maybe he could take one off the pile a day and just know that I'm still praying. There's a mom who gets it. She gets the idea of trying to make her son the best that he can be. Not only that, think about what she was talking about during the latter stage of her life when she was looking forward to leaving this earth and joining God in eternity. She wanted her son to be successful in whatever God had for him to do. That was her wish. She didn't really wish me riches, and she didn't wish me fame. She didn't wish me health, I don't think. I I have no idea what those prayers were about. But I know that she prayed for me and my wife and my children. You see, that's the family stability that we're missing in the United States of America today. Grandmas and grandpas that can spend time on their knees for their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. Children who can be looking to make their parents, their grandparents successful in their lives still. The stability that comes from being selfless rather than trying to figure out how to be self-centered and use the people around us. We're looking to try and figure out how to get them successful in whatever stage of life they're in. I think I've had good examples of that with my parents and my wife's parents. How they cared about us and cared for us all the way to the time where they weren't here anymore on this earth. They desired us to walk with God. They desired us to know Him. What a privilege to be a part of a family like that. And to continually see God continue to work in that area in each of our lives. And as a dad, I have the same concern and same hope for my children and for the children of the next generation beyond that. See, God made the family. And for us to be optimistic about the family, we need to be those who adjust our thinking to being committed to the relationship God gives us. Commitment starts first and foremost to God and then to those that we are related to. I know those are the ones, again, we know the best, so we know all their warts and all the things that they don't do right, and we can let those get in the way. Or we can make sure that we're there to bolster the weaknesses, so that no matter what they're involved in in life, we can be a part of helping them see things the way they should be. Are you committed to God? Are you committed to family members? Are you committed to each other? To make sure that you can do whatever you need to to help your family 
live as God wants them to, be committed to the truth. That's the only hope we have for the United States of America, to be people who are committed to God first, to family second, to our friends third. And I guess, as I think of my life, I could be fourth or something in that list. But as I live that out, we see the stability that God intended for all the young people that seems to be missing right now. Commitment is a key word. It's not an arrangement. I don't have an arrangement with God, and I don't have an arrangement with my wife or children. I have a commitment, and I need to live that commitment out no matter what the circumstances are. Once again, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Thank you for joining me today. Good night for now. Thank you.